every sports fan has an opinion. Well, these are ours. Ours. Welcome to Brock and Pep's unsportsmanlike convo. And here are your hosts, Brock Fleming and Pep Cariotti. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Brock and Pep's unsportsmanlike convo. I am your co-host, Pierre Pep Cariotti, and across the province is the usual intro, introer. Mr. Brock Fleming, looks like you're enjoying yourself out in, I won't say where you are for privacy purposes, but you're you're at a beach somewhere um, across this beautiful province with the family enjoying some R&R. B, how you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. I'm excited to, that this seems to be working for the most part, knock on wood. So I'll stick with you for as long as I can. Obviously, uh, appreciate that uh, you and Mikey, producer in the background there, were able to get this thing going. So at least it will be a show tonight, which is nice. Because next week we're off, remember? That's right. We're off uh, for the first time since we've started the UC. Both of us are on vacation. Um, so we're going to take our first show off. It's a scheduled time off. It's nothing, uh, no emergency. It's just a vacation day. I've got something occupying uh, my time and, uh, you'll still be on vacation. Um, if Brock, uh, just, a just a program notice, if Brock does cut out, he, he might get a little choppy, but his voice will, will probably still be there. Um, just bear with us. Uh, I, I it's not a, it's not a show without him. So it was, it's kind of him or bust. So I really it's wanted to make sure he was here, but if he does break up, I'll uh, I'll take the reins and go from there. Um, so anyway, Brock's with his family, enjoying himself. Uh, I, speaking of enjoying myself, I went to an Ottawa Blackjacks game, um, which was Saw that. pretty cool, man. You know, it was right before the pandemic. It was, I think, March 20th. I went to the U Sports Finals at the Civic Center. Carlton won their title. And then, uh, like, five days later, the world shut down. And, uh, you know, uh, I think fittingly, my first sports experience was right back in that same arena watching basketball. Mind you, the Ottawa Blackjacks are a pro team instead of a, a university team. But uh, it was really, it's good basketball. Brock, is pretty cool, man. They had a, D, a live DJ playing music the whole time. And I know we hear music during NBA games, but not for the whole game. This is like from start to finish. There's music. And the only time they shut the music off is when uh, a guy shoots free throws. Your thoughts on that, just if you can Im- imagine that, picture that. Hip hop music through the whole game. What What are your thoughts on that, as a fan? Cool. Uh, as if, yeah. I mean, basketball is one of those sports where you're putting up a lot of points, so it's kind of back, you know, end to end, and guys are going up. It's not necessarily uh, um, like a a hockey or something where a one play can really determine the game at that point. It seems to be something that's a bit of a longer, drawn out process. So mm-hmm. I think from a fan's perspective, and to keep you know, young people interested in kind of going and keep the energy up. I think music is there. And, you know, I, I think the question would be more so from your perspective as a guy who is a bit more of a basketball player than I ever was, you know, how does that affect you as a player or how do you think it affects the players having that music on? Is that extra motivation? Is that sort of like a booster when you're playing a distraction? Is it something you don't even hear or what? I could tell you it was uh, every hip hop <clears throat> song that is, that is cool now and even like some retro stuff from the uh early 2000s and 20, 2010s like it was all the great songs every song got me got me moving got me jiving a little bit i couldn't imagine being on the court in front of fans and my favorite tune comes on it it, it probably would have gotten me jacked up i mean basketball is a sport where i mean communication is important on the court 
especially on the defensive end. But offensively, you know what you're running. You're running your sets. Their coach was yelling and screaming from his from the sideline. Um, there's no way the players didn't know what what offensive play to run. So from an offensive perspective, I don't think it made a, a big difference. Defensively is another story, though. There's a lot of communication, a lot of uh, like, hey, back door, back cut, uh, let's switch, that kind of thing. But all in all, I think the players probably love it. But it wasn't at a, a, a level that you couldn't communicate on the court defensively, was it? Uh, it was it was loud, man. It was it was okay. it was as loud as the PA announcer's voice. So like when he would talk, it would be as loud as the music. So it was it was pretty loud. It was now that mind you, we're in the stands. Maybe the speakers are above us and not up above the court. Right. But it was really it was hard to tell. But it was it was cool. And uh, the halftime show was a violinist playing hip hop songs. It was the coolest thing I've ever seen. It, okay. it was for twenty bucks. To, uh, sorry, it was twenty five bucks before tax. That's that was fun. I I'm definitely there's only two more home games. I'm hoping you'll be back for the last one. You will be back for the last one. Yeah. Hopefully the stars align where we can maybe maybe go and um, bring your brother with us. Uh, maybe Mike wants to come too. It'd be a cool thing. You, you they seat you they seat you in pods. So like three or four tickets a, at a time is what you have to buy. Um, so I mean it'd be perfect for us and we'd be we'd be separated. Nobody sitting beside us and we sitting in front of us. It's pretty cool. So uh, well, very I cool, air horn so. that if I could. I can't. Yeah. And shout out to producer Mike for picking you out on the TV feed during the Blackjacks game, I believe. Impressive, Mike. Did you, was that Mike? Was that like um, did you catch me live, or was that like a replay? Or I, I, I anyway, Mike will respond in our private chat. But um, yeah, I uh, oh I saw you there. That was live feed, and uh, I had to rewind it to to take the picture. But yeah, I saw you. <laughs> That is a keen eye, my friend. That was pretty impressive. For for those of you, that's the first time hearing Mike's voice. That is Mike uh, Brock's brother-in-law, uh, our executive producer. Is that the first time he's spoken? No, no, we've had him on the show. We've had him on the yes, show. Where have you show. been? This is like our... We've had him on the show, guys. First time audio first only. Episode. First time audio sure. only, yes. <laughs> first time the, the voice from above. Yeah, he likes to play that role now, so he keeps the picture off and just talks above Brock, is that a, is that a Bengal shirt you're wearing, bud? Can you stand up? Just can you just sl- just show your chest for? Is that what I think it is? That is just a, unbelievable. That is, we did not coordinate this, by the way. This is just simply I. This is a shirt that I was wearing, and then Brock showed up with that. So, this is a comfortable um, shirt. Uh, you know, whatever. I got it in Cincinnati when I did the coaches clinic. You know, at the Cincinnati Bengals locker room training facility there. So, you know. It is what it is. They got nice unis. I'll get, I'll, I'll take it. But they got uh, sweet unis now. Holy cow! One of the nicest in the league now. What are the odds of uh, Joe Burrow surviving the season? Uh, well, it's going to determine those five guys up front. Uh, they drafted the kid out of LSU with a receiver instead of an old lineman, which at the time I wasn't a big fan of. Time will tell if I'm right or wrong if they made any moves to sort of address the issues properly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I mean from our vacation standpoint and saying a week off next week, when we come back, we're, we're right into football season almost. Absolutely. So I'm a, pretty pumped for that. There's a, a Mike, you know what? This might be a good cue for headlines because we're going to get right into things now. Headlines with Brock and Pep. This was not a topic I was going to bring up, but I just saw this on my feed about an hour ago. Uh, the uh, Los Angeles Rams running back tore his Achilles. Last name is yeah. Akers. Uh, Last name football. is Akers? Like you don't know who that is? Uh, you know what? Cam I actually, Akers? Isn't it, wasn't it Brown? Was there, wasn't he their main guy? 
I don't, I don't follow the LA Rams running back situation. Who cares? I do. We yep. did a fantasy football. <laughs> so in that league that Curtis and I joined, where we have keepers and salary caps and all that kind of stuff, yep. we have an opportunity during the offseason to make offers on other guys mm-hmm. on other teams. And either that owner has to match the offer mm-hmm. with that salary or lose them to us. And Cam Akers is a guy I was 100% going to put an offer in mm-hmm. and try and snag him from one of the owners. Towards his Achilles, he's out for the season. Kid was very good, and from a weapon standpoint, with Stafford in the rotation there with the Rams, uh, I was all over him. That being said, and it's going to probably be this Brown kid now. Uh, I have to see who else is on the depth chart, but uh, that's a big loss for the Rams. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, big boss man chiming Please. in on our vacation uh, decision here. Malcolm Brown will be involved heavily, Curtis wrote, and uh, I agree with him. The, the games I've seen, it's always been Malcolm Brown with Akers as a third down back, but uh, that's a big loss. Hey, Adrian Peterson's looking for a job. Might be a good change of pace guy from Malcolm Brown. I don't know. Le'Veon Bell's looking for a job, isn't he? on Bell. Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell came out in the media today and said, I, won't go back. I wouldn't go back to play for the Jets if they paid me $60 million. I mean, look, man. Warranted. <laughs> I, I mean, wouldn't either. <laughs> well, no, that's false. $60 million, I would go play for the Jets. But if I'm in, in Bell's situation, I'm probably saying the same thing. They're also not offering $60 million, so he can say whatever well. he wants. They yeah. burned his bridge. Anyway, um, I just read that. I wasn't going to bring that up, but I thought that was an interesting and, and sad situation <clears> for <throat> him. Uh, but, you know, Achilles now, he's young enough that uh, those things heal pretty well if with the right, right surgery and uh, – it's pretty amazing. And Achilles back in our day was you're done. Now it's uh, an off season and you're you're better than better than ever. And you look at Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant tore his Achilles and now he's he's Ugh. pretty much back to normal. But anyway, all uh, that to there's say, a lot this year. So I don't know. Again, we might want to talk to one of our physio people, Jethro or somebody, and find out. Say, what do you think is causing all this? Because that's a lot of Achilles in the first couple weeks of talking about football. Six in the mm-hmm. CFL already. A, mm-hmm. a major player in the NFL going down to it. Who else? Who's next? Kind of thing. Mm-hmm. What's the, what's the issue there? Uh, we used to be very common with the bigger guys, you know. Uh, after ten years uh, in their career, then suddenly their Achilles would pop. But uh, now it's happening all over the place. These guys are just so fast and strong, and with their cutting, and it's a remarkable stuff. Um, you mentioned my hat while we were talking before the show started. And uh, I, I love this hat. It's, I'm a kind of a Pirates fan. They're kind of my second favorite team, even though they're terrible. But I, I am wearing it. Marcus Stroman. He bothers me. He bought. He bothers me. He bothers. He bothers. I don't know me. why he hates you so. You hate that guy. I don't. I hate's a strong word, but he bothers me. He's sure. always bothered me. Um, I like. So uh, one of our one of our followers mentioned, uh, you know, passion. I like his passion. There's always the you toe the line between passion and showing up uh, the other team. And the Mets are first in their division by hanging by a thread. They're in a, a pennant race, whatever you want to call it, halfway through the season. The Pirates are like cellar dwellers, dead last. Why would you? I mean, the guy hit a ground ball to end the inning. Like, yeah, uh, it was like a, I think he, the guy fisted it and it went to first. And and Stroman acted like he was I don't know, like he had just won the World Series. Like you can't. You can't say something, stare at the other team's dugout, stare at the player you just got out, and not expect them to react, number one. Number two, why would you want to motivate a team like the Pirates? You've just beaten them by 10 runs a night before. 
Like, wh- why would you do that? Wh- what is Strowman's deal? Is he just the modern-day athlete? Is this what we have to expect from people down the road? Look, I saw the replay. He, Stro- it's nothing new for Strowman. Strowman is no. animated. Yes. Uh, when he gets there, he pumps himself up. He's mm-hmm. he's constantly playing with a chip on his shoulder. That whole, you know, height doesn't measure heart slogan thing, whatever. Like, he's he's where he is because of this chip on his shoulder. He's always been sort of outspoken and like a rah-rah to himself kind of guy during these pitching stints. So it's not new. It's not like he's a quiet guy and now he's trying to show this guy up. He gets excited. He got the third out. Maybe it was a you know a situation thing he was he was happy with. But the 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 Pirates guy said something to him of like uh, whatever I can't repeat it. I don't think. But I, seeing his mouth move and he kind of said something towards Strowman more than anything. And so he's already out. He's still got a bat in his hands and he's still sort of like strolling down the first baseline, which is where Strowman's got to go. So there was some initiation by the Pirates guy as much as there was from Strowman. Strowman's actions are nothing new. So, um, I don't know. For, <laughs> yeah, I've seen Pep stare down the dugout at three pitch at the RA center. That's true. But if he does it every single time, then it's just oh, who dear. you are at that point. But I don't know. I think it's, I think it was overblown. I think the Pirates yeah. guy is, is as much to blame as Strowman. And, uh, yeah, whatever. Baseball is one of those sports, too, that you can't even – you're saying, okay, I want to – don't give them more ammunition or or pump them up and get them all excited to to compete against us. It's such a slow sport kind of thing. It's not like there's a physical contact, so, you know, my energy is super up. If you pitch and pitch well against them, it's still going to be hard for them to hit against. So I don't think it's a big deal in that that area that you were talking about. That's fair. That's, baseball is a funny sport like that. Let me give you a comparable though. Like Kyle Lowry would be like a very comparable player to Stroman in Toronto. Like leader of the team, emotional leader, but he he takes a completely different approach. Like his approach to the basketball game is. I mean, how many charges? How many big charges has Kyle Lowry taken? How many big threes has he hit? You don't yeah. see him rah rah in that much, if if at all. If he does, he's it's under the radar. Uh, maybe it's in the huddle. Maybe it's in the like it just. Again, different sport, different situation. Different players. Different players. Different, but, players, different attitude. Like he's said, basketball well, is right? even more physical than baseball. And again, I think Strowman uses what uses those animations and stuff like that to sort of like pump himself up. It's that chip on his shoulder, and he's used mm-hmm. that through his whole career. So Lowry didn't really has never been that kind of guy. So no. he's you know going to take the body and he's going to do what he needs to do. Uh, be the leader, but Strowman is is a little bit more of a I don't know. I want to say like a self motivator kind of thing, like a selfish motivator. Maybe he's gotta get his like, pumped up. Yeah. He's not a leader, but he's just trying to pump himself up for his job, and that's kind of it. Like he's not doing it for his teammates. He's not doing it for anybody else's benefit other than his own. Fair. Uh, executive producer Mike writes: uh, Some would say Lowry is a whiner, and that the team follows his lead. Um, Difficult to say. I think there's a method to Lowry's madness when he uh, when he whines and when he works the refs. It's it's an angle. He works the refs so that you know when there's a big play, he gets a call or his team gets a call. There's a method to the madness. I don't think he freaks out every single play, although it does appear like that. But he, I think the refs know him. I think there's a communication before and after the game with the refs that Lowry, as the captain, is going to work the refs. It's just an angle. It's just what you do. Like LeBron works the refs every play. He's that's his job. He's a captain. He's trying to get his guys' calls. It's trying to get every little edge. 
there's so little that separates these teams now that sometimes that's what you need. So anyway, um, Brock Oakland approved uh, the city of Oakland. Uh, approved a new ballpark today, but the A's organization said uh, the path to like the building and the uh, you know how it's going to work out the plan is inefficient and not a good path. So it's looking, it's just looking ugly. They, they ended the meeting without any resolution. If you're the Montreal Expos or if you're the Montreal franchise, would you rather the A's or Rays if you had to choose a team right now? A's are good, um, man. A's are good, like really good, and they've been good for a long time. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, from Montreal's viewpoint, you say, well, who's the biggest challenge that you have to sort of face when we first get in there? Like, what's the hurdle everybody's going to be comparing you to? It's going to be the Toronto Blue Jays. The A's are good. But Tampa has Toronto's number more often than not. Mm. So if I'm Montreal, I'm probably thinking, you know what? Let's bring in the Rays, who already give the Blue Jays mm. a run for their money every single time and give them a lot of headaches. Mm-hmm. So you know that they're going to be very competitive with the local um, rival that you mm. have to sort of compete with. So I think from for Montreal, Tampa is probably the better bet. Now, at the same time, whoever we can get first is going to be the thing that I would take. That's you know a good mean? answer. So yep. whoever's up first, let's take them. Yep, I'm with you there. Um, the A's and Ray, they're very similar franchises on how they play, but the A's tend to bring in more homegrown guys where the A's do the old money ball, like the uh, low-budget guys who uh, work their analytics team and uh, and uh, they just fit the pieces perfectly. You know, So it's a very interesting dynamic. Um, I've talked about the Olympics all week this week to myself and on our UC page. <laughs> to myself. Um, I, it, it, I'm just so disappointed with Tokyo in general and how they've handled all this. They are in a state of emergency, which is like the highest state you could put your country in when things are going sideways. Uh, Community transmission is at an all-time high. And uh, I don't care what anyone says. Oh, COVID, you know, it won't won't kill you, this and that, and we need to move on. Look, we're in a good situation in Ottawa because we have 75% vaccination rate, which is fantastic. But like that country of Tokyo is not in that situation. And now athletes are getting are catching COVID who they're being sent home. They've worked like, you know how it is, Brock. They've worked four, five, six, seven years to get to this point. And not just like for three, four months. This is their career to make it to the Olympics. And then they're told to go home because they got a, they caught a virus. I mean, cancel it, postpone it. There's no fans anyway. I read a number today. It costs forty five billion dollars to build and prepare for the olympics they're only going to generate five billion in revenue this year so they're going to take a loss of 40 billion dollars how are they going to make that back tourism over the course of the next 50 years i mean cancel it wait until you can actually have people there you postpone it for a year nothing's going to change the athletes will still train everything will be the same what are they thinking in tokyo am i off my off my rocker for being so upset about this um, no, I mean, you're exaggeratedly upset, but, yeah, but you bring up some good points, you know, the amount of money they're putting into the infrastructure for an Olympic games, uh, what happens to that afterwards? You know, you see that in different countries where, yeah, where stuff that's being built or stuff that was built for one event never gets used again. 
And if you're going to lose $40 billion, I think it's really at this point, just trying to hang on to these Olympic games as being something. And if it goes too long, I think people are just going to stop caring about the Olympics. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's not something that's necessarily on my radar uh, from a sports fan's perspective. Um, you know, unless there's, you know, obviously good chance for Canadian athletes to, to do some something big. And mm -hmm. I'm not talking, you know, if it's, you know, Canadi uh, Canadians are usually pretty good at, I don't know, let's say speed skating and some of the winter uh, sports. Well, those are almost like we expect them to do well there. So that doesn't even interest me as much anymore. Mm -hmm. It's the, you know, the uh, Andre de Grasse, you know, those kind of things say, so, you know what, we're not supposed to be winning the 100 meters all the time. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a big feat. I want to see that. You can get other countries that are, you know, used to putting up big numbers from a medal standpoint. Maybe their interest is losing. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But for me, I just, I feel like it's almost like they, they feel they need to have the Olympics this year before they sort of get completely off cycle and, uh, and people start losing interest in it. Uh, I think the IOC is one of the more corrupt uh, organizations in the world. And how about the, maybe the worst chairman name in the history of sports, Mr. Dick Pound. That's, that's got to be arguably the best. That's, that's best, it's, worst, it's, the best of the worst. The yeah, I'll never call him Richard. He's Dick Pound to me. And uh, he's one of the more corrupt individuals in all of sports. It's probably the worst kept secret. And what's going on with the Olympics? Why they want to have him is because IOC is going to benefit hand over fist. They have nothing to do. They don't care about the country going into uh, you know $45 billion in debt. They just, they're going to make their money. So that's that's how it is. And it's, it's pathetic as far as I'm I concerned. I heard uh, uh, Dick Pound also renamed the Olympic Village uh, Pound Town. Anyway, so what's next? <laughs> it's, it's so stupid. It's so ridiculous. You know, at Montreal, look at Montreal, the 76 Olympics. I mean, we just finished paying that off, I think, from like in 2015. They finally paid off the big O. Um, and then the, the, I, I toured the Olympic Village in 2014. And it was, uh, it's decrepit. It's just, they just let it, it's nobody, they never used it. There was, they didn't even host the Pan Am games. There's no local tra uh, track and field that, that could use the, those facilities. The, um, the Olympic Village, where the athletes stayed, just went basically became like low income housing. It was just like it was. It's sad, and Montreal paid for this. Somebody brought up a good point. I heard on the radio the other day. They should just create one city to host the Olympics every four years and keep it simple. One in the one for the winter and one for the summer. Maybe Greece, where it originated. Yeah, go back Something to like the that. origins. Yeah. Or when you make a bid on hosting the Olympics, it's got to be a longer term plan in place. Yes. So it's okay, we're getting this for the Olympics, but what's going to happen with all this infrastructure once you put it together? And now you have something that's, you know, 15 years old. Where is that? And the thing with the Olympics, like you said, it's track and field. That's it. There's no, um, you know, there's no transferable sports within the uh, infrastructure that they put up. So maybe have that in the plan. Say, okay, you know, this dome is going to be used for, speed skating and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff but then mm -hmm. once it's done we're going to turf it like not not turf take it down but put turf inside now it's going to yeah. hold uh, house a, a local football team or soccer team it's going to be accessible by all these youth to be able to go and play yeah, sports exactly. inside something but a longer yeah. term sustainability from what you're putting together should be part of the mandated plan 
uh, and that the Olympic Committee should be looking at that. I like watching Canada athletes and teams. I was really hoping that the Team Canada basketball would have qualified. They should have. I mean, they're, they were loaded with NBA guys. I just think the NBA season just uh, wore guys down. But anyways, Alex Verdugo, I think he was playing left field uh, during this game. He, he plays kind of all over yeah. the uh, all over the diamond um, in the outfield anyways. Got plunked with a baseball from a Yankees fan. Um, that fan is now banned from every stadium in, ma- in the majors, all 30 stadiums, rightfully so. What was the worst? Have you ever had a situation where you felt, um, uh, I don't know, were you concerned for your safety uh, playing football through your career? The closest thing I think I was probably concerned about was uh, when I played for uh, – <clears throat> Well, I guess it was there's was twofold. It was we played for the University of Sherbrooke and we went to Laval, and I thought Laval fans are pretty nuts. Uh, but it turns out, like during halftime and stuff like that, they they were very encouraging because Sherbrooke was a French, predominantly French school, just getting football started. So I think there was that, and I was really surprised and taken back by how nice the fans were. But the other one was probably Colgate when we did the playoffs and we went to uh, Illinois State, 60,000 fans. And like our warm up spot uh, at the end zones, which is where the O linemen warm up, was literally next to a wall that was probably only six feet high, six, seven feet high. And the, the, the student section was right there. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're throwing, chewing gum and like, you know, trying <laughs> to get you engaged in a, a verbal scuffle, all that kind of stuff. And we used to get police escorted everywhere. Like we got off charter flight police escorts everywhere so you're kind of like it was the first time that ever happened to me so you're kind of like oh is this something we should be concerned about Mm. uh again police escort to the practice back to practice to the game and then we got our butts whooped and there was no police escort after that they're like all right see you later (laughs) send us on our way but that was probably the the part where i was worried the most okay that's fair i mean hey listen that uh scary stuff you know and like you know in the bronx uh that's not a fun place to play although uh, i, I want to say fenway park probably isn't a, a paradise either for opposing teams but uh you know just i'm glad that the uh, the major leagues who've been notoriously slow to react to things like this uh you know came down hard on this on this one fan and uh, how do you I mean, police pe- that across 30 teams 30 stadiums to say you're banned you know it's one of those things where that? well i mean it was a, it's i don't think I don't know what happens with uh, you know um, domestics in, in the in the stands, but like if somebody's, I mean, these everybody saw the the, the the baseball come out of the stands, so it was easy to pick the guy out. I think it worked out. All the all the stars aligned in terms of picking the guy out, seeing what what happened, saw the evidence, which was the actual baseball on the field. When you see like other things in the stands, maybe by the time you get to it, it's too late, so it's hard to really implement a uh, like a real hard penalty. But uh, I think it just worked out well for for Verdugo and. I mean, people listen. If you're if you're listening in Ottawa, and you go to a Red Blacks game, like, and you're one of those fans that likes to get on the players, like, just remember these guys—they're people too. I know they expect a certain amount of you know, hey, what's up, kind of stuff. But like, easy with the personal stuff, and certainly easy with throwing anything on the field, or like, let's let's not let's easy. Don't cool. do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Um, Speaking of Red Blacks, I was at their practice on Friday. I went and took yes. a, a peek before uh, I took off on vacation and went and saw our, our friend uh, Nate Hamlin doing his thing out there, among others. Neat dog. Uh, Rashad Davis. Uh, so I was I was by the field watching, and then I was leaving the field, and D-line were in the corner, and some D-line kind of gives me like a, like a high kind of thing, and I'm like, I have no idea who this is. And then I was like, oh, hold on. I saw that Davis is Rashad. He's a guy, an Ottawa U player who got drafted by Ottawa. 
Uh, he used to do all our CFI stuff too. Great kid. Anyway, so I was like, hey, yeah, okay, put some weight on. Anyway, the en- the energy around that stadium and the team, like even at warmups, the defense is barking at the offense, and mm-hmm. you know they're calling numbers out and stuff like that. But all kind of like in a fun way uh, was really exciting to to you know feel that energy again in the stadium. So I uh, I'm pretty pumped for this season to see it, at least back on the field and start getting that energy back in that stadium. Well, I went to. Uh... They hadn't practiced. It was the, literally the first meeting where the coaches meet the players and the players are just sitting and in, coaches introducing themselves. And it was pretty It was pretty cool. Every coach went up and gave their basically like a little bio and then like right. a motivational word or two, and then they moved on. Um, but I have tickets for this week, and they have an inter-squad game, which is going to be kind of cool. You see some of the backups go at it and, uh, you know, guys fighting for a spot. So it should be kind of cool. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, this is, I mean, this might be the topic of the day. Carey Price. Uh, wow. I think it took the whole sporting world by storm when uh, Marc Bergevin announced that he was going to uh, un- keep, Car- no, not keep Carey Price. He's going to keep him unprotected for the expansion draft. And now Carey Price waived his no trade clause for it. I it's a, Details are a little sketchy in terms of uh, whether Price went to Bergie and said, do this. Price's wife said something a little cryptic today on Twitter about you'll see what the end result is, something like that. I mean, I was, it's like the whole thing is kind of backwards. Then injury reports that are just coming out now when Shea Weber's reports came out three weeks ago, like in full detail, like the whole thing is a little, a little off, which is making me think that the, the Seattle Kraken are going to take Carey Price in the expansion draft. Every single uh, mock draft that I've seen they don't have price in this. It's too big a risk, either injury, money, both. He's a big cap hit this year. Yes, the end of his contract, you know, it's it's 5.5, I think 6.5, 5.5. But for this year coming up, it's 10.5. That's a big number. You know, for teams that have what? What's the salary cap, Brock? Like 120 for hockey now? 100? It's a big We're number. Knock on the door behind me. Fact checker's in his room. Fact checker's in his room. Um, that's a big number. How do you? I mean, how do you feel about this? Like, what, did it catch you by storm, or are you not surprised? Or you do you care as a as a Ottawa Senators fan? Um, I definitely care. Uh, Carey Price is a guy that you know I would love to. Carey Price is a, a have that I cheer for. So mm-hmm. I would like to see him in Ottawa. I'd like to see him in Toronto. I'd like to see him in some place that I can kind of back a bit more. Um, yeah, I'm a little bit surprised considering the playoff run that he had. I mean, Seattle, in my opinion, would be stupid not to take him. Even if it was to take him and maybe trade him or whatever. You're going to have a lot of money up front. I mean, look at what Vegas did with Flurry. You know, that was a key pickup, and Pittsburgh let him go, and I think that was probably one of their bigger mistakes. I think it's the finals that year. Same way. Yeah. Their, Their expansion year, they made the finals, did they not? But he backs, yeah. But he backstopped the team that was new. And yes, there's not as many um, advantages for Seattle's free uh, expansion draft that uh, that Las Vegas had. I don't think. But uh, still, you get a goaltender who's ready to backstop it. That's going to be the guy you take. Hmm. So I, I would, I'll be all over it. But I'm surprised given that what happened. But he also waived his no trade clause too. So. You know, he's obviously open for it. I heard his wife is from Washington State. She is. Um, you know, That's where he played hockey, just, too. 
Yeah, it just might be the, a right fit, a, a good fresh change. And I don't know what the injury or how severe the injury thing is, but uh, I feel like that might be something that's leaked by, uh, you know, by Montreal media coaches, whoever. Again, you know, salary and injuries are saying, you know what, maybe we're gonna, like you said, we're gonna bluff, we're gonna put them out there so we can protect Al at the same time because they wouldn't be smart to take price giving an injury and giving that um uh, his contract status and say you know we're gonna we're gonna basically bluff it and greg says uh, that means the seattle kraken who just signed chris dreiger dreiger I, i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing that right but he just signed a three million dollar contract obviously that's a backup uh, you're you're dealing with a backup there, but you know that's a lot to commit to to two goalies again. When your cap is what what we had mentioned, like somewhere in the ballpark of eighty one point five, Curtis says that's eighty one. Oh, okay, yes, I mean that's a big chunk of money to commit to one position. So, you know, you gotta you gotta you know your assets. You gotta be smart with them. I I, I actually think they're gonna I think they're gonna take Jonathan Joy. I think what the from the guys that Montreal left unprotected, I could see them taking Joy. And just hope that a change of scenery does him good. I know it's crazy. I know. Uh oh. Oh boy. Oh, that's Brock's brother, Curtis. Curtis saying, has heard that. He, and on the what? Head, he's listening. He's like, no, not a chance. I is what he's saying. He's I just it, call it a gut feeling. I don't know uh, why I feel this way. I just feel like he's on the unprotected list. You know, uh, Eric Stahl's on the list. Dano, Perry. I don't see any of those guys. I mean, they're UFAs. So I mean, what are they going like? Seattle's going to take him and then have them have them walk. Um, so like, I don't, and then the other guys, Paul Bryan might be another option that they might look at, but if they don't take carry, they might take Drew. I mean, it's crazy. They might take Drew and he might benefit from a change of scenery because obviously Montreal is just too, the spotlight's too big for him. So he was the third overall pick in 2013, had some good years with Tampa. I just think the, the Montreal media is just too, it's crazy, right? Like it's like Toronto. You see Exactly. You see that with those two hot markets, especially for a Canadian kid. You know, those markets are what you grew up yep. in and idolizing and whatever. So that pressure comes there. If you're, you know, it's not the same as if you're an American kid in Chicago and you're, you know, up here, maybe you don't get as affected because it's not like in your DNA sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But Toronto and Montreal from a Canadian hockey player standpoint is the Mecca. That's standpoint number one, Mike, if you want to. Montreal, uh, uh, fans of Montreal, let me just remind you of how, uh, rare it is to get a guy like Carey Price. Let me just quickly remind you from uh, like from the in the sixties you had Jacques Plante, from seventy one to seventy eight you had Ken Dryden, and then it was kind of a mishmash for a few years. Sevigny, Larocque, Rick Walmsley, Steve Penny, and then Patrick Waugh shows up from eighty five to ninety five, and then since then, you know it's been not pretty. Like Jocelyn Thibault, who had a terrible defense in front of him, I think he got a bad rap. I mean. By that point, Montreal's defense was awful. Andy Moog, Jeff Hackett, Jose Theodore had a couple good years, Cristobal Huet, and then Price came along. So, you know, like we're talking like decades before you get like a guy like Kerry Price and Patrick Waugh. So, you know, don't take him for granted. I mean, if he disappears, you know, you're looking at Caden Primo and uh, or and or, you know, Jake Allen as being your number one guys and you're not Kerry Price. So it's scary stuff. I'm nervous. I'm nervous. It's like uh, losing Ben Roethlisberger, who's been there for 15 years, or losing uh, Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. Like, 
you know, the guys who've been there forever and all of a sudden you got, you're dealing with a change. What's, how's it going to, how's it going to, how's the team going to react? How's the city going to react? That's a big that's deal, man. Night, eh? That's Draft tomorrow night. That's, night. that's a big deal. This is a big deal. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be very interesting. Uh, the NBA Finals go tonight, game six. The Bucks six. can put it away. The Bucks uh, came back. I mean, Giannis Antetokounmpo had, has had two series-changing, career-defining plays in this series. One was a big block on Ayton that led to a, a transition basket. And uh, another was the what happened last game. Um, Drew Holiday had a steal and then tossed an alley-oop to him, and he dunked it, almost hit his head on the backboard. I mean, these are career-defining plays that if the Bucks win tonight, which I think they will at home, um, has got to put Giannis up there with like legit number one, number two player in the league status now. He's, he's playing on a – remember, he, he uh, hyper-extended his knee. I don't even think he should be playing. Um, but he's such a good athlete, and he's over it now, and he's playing outstanding basketball. The Milwaukee Bucks could win their second championship in their franchise's history tonight. Do you care? <laughs> uh, good question. I wasn't sure what question was going to follow up, but very, I like that. Do you? Do you care? Um, I'm going to probably have interest in the game. I think Curtis is putting some money on Phoenix for us tonight. He asked um, me too late, and he already he had already put uh, his money on Phoenix. I think it's Milwaukee. Uh, Phoenix paid out. Uh, a lot better, so we're going to take that shot. I mean, we put money on the Jays down twelve nothing yesterday. That didn't pay off either. <laughs> <laughs> Them coming back twelve. <laughs> yeah, but hey, Vladdy was a couple okay. feet from a home run, so you yep. never know. If he hits that grand slam, then it's a different story. Anyway, yep. Um, do I care? Like I said before, the what's missing in this final for me and for I think a, a good chunk of. Uh, the population who watch NBA occasionally or finals, that kind of stuff is that you're, you, you miss the, like the bonafide superstar or, or the one you hate. Like there's, you know, there's just, there's a lot there's of likable no guys on there. So it's mm. just not, again, the, my biggest thing and why I kind of want Phoenix to win is because of the Lopez brothers. They're like the closest thing that I can't stand <laughs> on the court. And that's, that's fitting given the new space jam is out. Because uh, they look like those monsters from the first one. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so, but otherwise, I mean, attend the Kupo and stuff. Those guys are those are fun to watch. He's a great guy. I would great be happy guy. for him if he won as well. So I don't have a lot of vested interest in an actual winner. Uh, I will likely watch because it has been pretty decent basketball for the Good highlights basketball. and some of the stuff that I've seen so far. Yeah, and that's kind of. I would like to see it go seven. You know what I mean? When you when you have something like this, let's just let's just go to seven and mm. maybe even a game seven will bring in people to watch and say, you know what, it's it's the determining game. So a bit more mm. excitement there. I don't hate anybody on the team except for Lopez. Game seven might bring me back in to watch that. It might bring some more viewership for it as well. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I can't say that I care, but <laughs> Hey, let me tell you, it, <laughs> it has been it has been good basketball. If you're a basketball fan of the game itself, uh, the ball movement's been good. The defense has been good. I mean, these are two really relatively high-scoring teams, and these games are like 105 to 99, like kind of old-school scores from the uh, from the 90s. Um, not that again, not everything has to go back to retro, but like it's nice to see a little bit of defense. It's nice to see some ball movement, some plays being run. 
Uh, I think the referees, again, the refereeing has still been atrocious, but that's I think that's across every league these days. The players are too big and fast now. It's getting hard to to police these guys. But I want to ask you about Kyle Lowry. A report came out today that the New Orleans Pelicans seem very interested. Now, obviously, Lowry has a say in where he goes, but if you're Lowry and at this stage of your career and you're likely not going back to Toronto, and if you do go back to Toronto, you're likely not winning anything of substance. They might make the playoffs again. You go to a team like New Orleans who has, um, you know, Brandon Ingram, who's a very, very, very good player, and uh, obviously Zion Williamson. Zion, yeah. Now, you go there. They didn't make the playoffs. Uh, New Orleans didn't make the playoffs. You go there. Are you going there thinking, I've got Zion. I could change this franchise around. And, and, you know, Lowry's 36 years old. Or are you taking, would you rather go to a team like the Lakers who really are just a player away from just being right back in the finals again? Like, if you're Lowry at this stage of your career, what what do you want to do? What would you do if you're him? Because um, Zion's very exciting. Yeah, I think there's some intangibles that, you know, I would need to look at from a family standpoint, friends, you know, location where you want to live, that kind of stuff, given where he is in his career. But if you look at those two teams, <laughs> yeah, the Lakers should be, you know, a player or two away from getting to the finals again or in the playoffs, a good run. And but the Pelicans are like a young and up and coming team that has a lot of young superstars that still have a lot of miles left on their body. Lowry going to the Lakers is going to be like, oh, you know, my body's starting to break down, so I can't play quite like that. So I'm going to go play with a bunch. It's like the what's the movie where the uh, uh, Travolta and all those guys are super old and they go like on a motorcycle trip. It's just like oh. you're going with all these other old guys. Yeah. You know. And you're saying, well, your body's as broken down as mine. Maybe with the Pelicans, I can go in and, and be that veteran leader here and coordinate the team a little bit better and lead that, but have people, players that have bodies that can do things that mm-hmm. I can't anymore and say, you know what? I just bring that little piece, but I have a young, energetic, talented team that can do it versus being you know, with the old guys and saying we're all in the same boat. Hopefully we can kind of come together to do it. Wild Hawks. Thank you, Greg. <laughs> that's, you know, you know that's I mean? a good answer. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, I, I would agree with you on every level. I just, uh, I, you know, Lowry was that guy for the Raptors in 2013. You know, they were young and he was, he was still young actually too. But I mean, he was a leader of a young team and they all sort of grew together. And, you know, if it wasn't for LeBron, and I mean, the Raptors finished with 60 wins a couple of years with DeRozan. I mean, they were a good team for a couple of years, mm-hmm. like really good. You know, do you want to? It's like you're going back and kind of starting from scratch when you could just sort of jump teams like the Sixers would be a probably a good fit for him as well. They seem like they were only a, play, a leader away, really, is what they need. Um, so I don't know. It's going to be very interesting. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if he's back in Toronto. I'd, I would not be shocked if Masai, who is this is getting kind of worrisome here. They haven't they haven't signed Masai yet. His contract is up. Um, there's been no discussion. On a, on the flip side, no teams have also talked about him. So I mean, he's not having conversation with anybody else, at least not that we know of. But uh, Masai is a big piece of that puzzle, and I'm hoping that the Raptors do the right thing and give him what he wants. And then hopefully, I mean, I don't know. Would you like to see Lowry back in Toronto? Yeah, if it fits and he wants to be there, yeah. Like, you're a fan of him. Yeah, yeah I love Lowry. I yeah. think he. I honestly, I think by the time his career is over with Toronto, whether it's this year or Next, I think ultimately he's probably going down as one of the greatest rappers of all time. The the greatest. So 
Yeah, I, I like Lowry. I would love him in Toronto still, mm -hmm. provided they give him some pieces to, you know, again, maybe it's not a championship, but maybe go deep in the playoffs. Another mm -hmm. exciting, but I just don't, uh, I don't know. He can go to the Lakers, I guess, and watch courtside with the rest of his old team for 45 mm -hmm. games. And then mm -hmm. once you're in the playoffs, put the shoes on. Mm -hmm. I just don't know if that's, that's the kind of guy he is and what that's what he's looking for. The Lakers have some interesting decisions to make. I mean, if Davis is healthy, they'll be good. But they're talking about bringing Lonzo Ball back. Uh, I mean, he fits their their system right now. As he's a better player than he was when he was with them. But like, that's ah, some crazy stuff going on. The Raptors. I mean, geez, they pick fourth in this draft. I mean, it's a this, this is going to be very. They could get a player who could potentially change things immediately for that roster. And you know, Siakam's names come up in some trade talks with Golden State. So. Very interesting stuff. I'm looking forward to their free agent frenzy, whatever that, whatever they call theirs. But uh, they got to sign Masai, like you said, and I think Lowry is likely in some of those discussions as to say, you know what, yeah, I'd be back in Toronto. Let's see who you guys draft. This is a guy mm -hmm. who like, you know what I mean? Like, is there that? I think of the whole Aaron Rodgers factor. Is mm -hmm. Lowry without a contract necessarily on the table? Is he still in those discussions? You know, are they approaching him saying, you know? What are your thoughts on this? You know, I feel like he's earned that respect, I think, and that right. But I think the draft and, and what these moves and stuff will definitely dictate whether or not Lowry's back or decides to come back to Toronto. And if you're a Lowry fan, the fact that he didn't get traded at the deadline is, I think it's a good thing. If you're a Lowry fan in Toronto, you know, for them, because he should have easily been traded to a T. They weren't going to make the playoffs, and you know you're trying to do right by a guy. It was a very peculiar to not get any assets in return. Very, very peculiar non-trade. Yeah. So, if you're a Toronto fan and a Lowry fan, wouldn't you have wanted to see him get traded at that point? I, I was hoping he would have because I didn't see any way for them to either dig out of the hole that they were in, or I just didn't see the fit. Like they had <clears throat> Malachi Flynn playing pretty well, and then they, you know they traded Powell for for Trent. And of course, Fred Van Vliet plays his position. I mean, I just didn't see the fit. Somebody was going to lose minutes. Um, they could have received some assets, whether it was draft capital or whether it was an actual player. Like, I, I, it's just weird. Like, so that's it was a weird non-trade. I will say that. But uh, happy he stayed. He didn't play a lot towards yeah. the end. But the whole thing is just. I would have liked to, if I was Lowry, say trade me. Let's trade, trade me, me for something I think we're going to need. Get something back. Yeah. I'm a free agent after this year anyway. I signed back mm -hmm. in Toronto. Now it's me and the guy you traded for and a draft pick and, 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 and now it's a team. You say, you know what? Let's, let's take a shot. Sixers had a nice package in place for them. They had a nice, I mean, I like that deal that they, they had offered a couple of guys and uh, no dice. Anyway, moving on Steelers. I got, I got to mention the Steelers. They just signed Melvin Ingram. I got some, uh, Outside linebacker help. Pretty excited about that. Uh, they're a little thin on the outside. Uh, just want to remind all our UC fans that Pittsburgh won the North last year. Um, <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> hey, listen, man. Uh, let's let's just a friendly reminder to oh my Pittsburgh's going to finish last. Colin Cowherd said, my friend Colin Cowherd said Pittsburgh uh, will finish last in the division. Is he like? They were 12 and four last year. And they, I mean, yes, did they struggle towards the end of the year? Sure. They were 12 and four. They beat Cleveland. They lost to Cleveland in the last game of the year with Rudolph at the, at the helm. They beat Baltimore twice with their full roster the one time and the second time they didn't have the full roster because of COVID. They beat Cincy twice. I mean, like, what? 
is wrong with people? Guys, it's the same it's team coming division. back. It's a good division, but it's the same team coming back with some tweaks on the offensive line and Najee Harris. Yeah. I, I don't see how he has the Bengals uh, necessarily finishing above the Steelers, but it's also a division. If the Bengals, you know, get some O-line help, you know, there's some talent there, but Absolutely. it's also a division you could finish last in and still be whatever it is, nine and nine or maybe even ten and eight and probably still finish last given the strength of those teams. Elvin Ingram had had for five consecutive seasons, he had seven sacks or more. Uh, he he would have he was on pace for a good year last year, but he hurt his knee and he only played, I think, six games. So, you know, I think there's a very good pickup. Uh, the Chiefs were interested. I think he had visited another team. I can't remember who it was. Um, is he a free agent or? Yeah, uh, UFA. There's no trade. So okay. he was on the market. So happy happy the Steelers got some backup for TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith. Uh, Devin Bush, who's been active on Twitter. Really, he's a, his Twitter account is really weird. Um, he's back healthy, looks like. And then they got Spillane. So they got the pieces in place. It's a good – Pittsburgh's got a good defense. So teams are going to watch out. Buffalo-Pittsburgh open the season. I'm looking forward to that. Dallas and Pittsburgh play the Hall of Fame game, which I think lead, kicks off. Doesn't that kick off sort of the uh, the preseason every year? They have the Hall Usually, of Fame. Yeah, yeah, it's like a Thursday or something. And they just... So really cool thing happening there. Um, Bill Cower and Dick LeBeau, the legendary Dick LeBeau, are going to be calling the defensive plays for, I think, a quarter. Um, they made a deal. I mean, Bill Cower is going into the Hall of Fame this year, and he uh, requested Dick LeBeau um, be with him for this game. I think it's pretty cool, man. I mean, if you're going to do, I mean, it's fun that the NFL does these things, but honorary coach makes him call, dial up some blitzes. Dick LeBeau is known for his zone blitz scheme. He's the inventor of the zone blitz, if you didn't know that. Um, uh, actually, I did know that. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I also knew that uh, uh, Bill Coward is uh, awesome on the PA posters for how not to act or speak when you have COVID. <laughs> Because he spits a lot. He spits all the time. He's hey, a close talker and spits all the time. It's called passion, uh, bro. Is it? It's well, you got a lot of passion all over your it's face when you talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> Remember him and uh, Cordell Stewart and like oh, yeah, man. talk all the time, whatever? Oh, he used to get into Greg Lloyd's face and be like, I just want you to, and he'd bang on his shoulder pads, rush the passer. And I'm sure he spit right in. Like, I'm sure oh, for sure. 100%. But. That's, why, that's why Harrison wore a visor and he put his head down. <laughs> that's right. That's uh, one of the one of the great coaches of all time. Glad he got a Super Bowl to end his career. So uh, very good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a few minutes left. That's exciting. We're actually on time. We can talk a little Jays. Uh, they got thumped uh, by the Red Sox, um, and then the game I think is postponed. I don't. I think it's canceled tonight, right? There was a rain delay. I think it's been officially postponed due to rain. Um, so the, no game tonight. Um, you know, they come off thumping the Rangers pretty hard. I mean, the Rangers are just in re- going to be re- in rebuild mode and sell any assets they have. Um, so then they, you know, the Red Sox come to town. This is the last homestand before they move back to Toronto. Then they got thumped. Is that concerning at all? I feel like we no. talk about this every week, but like if we 14 do. to th- they, they, they smoke people and then they don't. And it's mm. always like, oh, can we just spread this 20 runs in two games out across a few other ones? But that's just the way it is. Like, they're, they're, 
The Jays are a very streaky team. Mm. And the concerning part for me is the ability to withstand an onslaught and not getting too far into a hole. And then Mm. manufacturing runs when your Mm. sticks aren't hitting home runs all the time and really on Mm. fire. We need to manufacture runs and we need to say, you know what? Okay, we're down 12 nothing after two. We still have seven innings left. Mm, if we get, get two runs a, an inning, let's say on average, mm-hmm. we can win this game. Mm. You know, tighten up defense, tighten up our pitching, and then let's manufacture a run or two every inning. And mm-hmm. then, you know, they're very young, so it's very. I find like they there's a, they still kind of get into those ups and downs, mm-hmm. and it's like you're kind of down. You say, okay, we're we're moving on to the next game almost. Mm-hmm. But when they're hot, they're hot, and it's. I just feel like Charlie needs to sort of take a bit more control uh, of the game when they get into those kind of situations. And that's what I haven't seen so far. And that's what worries me when you get into, you know, if they do get into playoffs and you say, you know what, we're down four runs in a game. We need to manufacture runs. Where is a bit more aggressiveness from base running uh, creativeness at the plate, that kind of stuff that Mm. I still feel like we haven't got from a, uh, for the blue Jays. You know, uh, they're young, like you say. They have a ton of uh, assets in the their A, Double A, and Triple A affiliates. Like a lot of people, and it's going to be a real juggling act for Mark Shapiro and at Ross Atkins to um, figure out who they're going to deal. I do think they make a deal, not just for pitching. I think they're. I think you're going to see a deal that might make some people a little uncomfortable, like the. like the Tony Fernandez and Fred McGriff trade for Alomar and Carter, that wasn't well received. Fernandez was a living legend in Toronto, and the Crime Dog was a big fa- fan favorite. And Toronto wasn't that bad. I think we're going to see an, uh, one uncomfortable trade from a player's perspective, from a from a position perspective. Um, whether that's for a return for another position player, I think so. Whether it's for pitching, maybe. For me, the X factor moving forward right now. Is is uh, Nate Pearson? I think he really is the X factor. How they use him coming in. Ross Stripling has had a couple of two bad outings now. Stephen Matz had a good game the other day, but again against the Rangers. I mean, I feel like you could go out on the mound and light up the Rangers. So those two guys, I don't know if I'm if I'm putting a lot of uh, if I'm banking on those two guys to be playoff performers. So Nate Pearson is the one. You know, X factor. Is he healthy? If he is healthy, is he a starter? I mean, the guy was just two years ago, we were talking about him being like the next Max uh, Scherzer and uh, Verlander. You know, he throws 102 miles an hour. And, you know, what's the deal? Uh, should, should the Jays, are they invested in this kid? Should they make a move? Oh, yeah. If, do they add him in the in the plans in terms of a package for a deal? Is he is he on the way out? Like, what what do you do with your if you're Nate, if you're handling Nate Pearson right now? Uh, I think there's a lot of pressure and expectations on him. Like you said, the last couple of years, we've been talking about him being like their best prospect coming through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you see he's got four, I think, good pitches in his repertoire, which is good. Usually threes is fine. He's got four very good ones. I think it's a matter of he's not in these packages. You're not dealing him yet. It's way too soon. He's got injuries, that kind of stuff. I think it's a mental aspect. I mean, baseball is very mental. And I think that 
maybe a sports psychologist, a pitching coach that gets to work a bit more with him. Like he's, I feel like he's going to be fine if he gets past the mental aspect of it. But I don't think he's somebody that the Jays are willing to give up on at this point. I would hope so not. They're, I would they're... be very shocked if they got rid of him. Like I think between him and Manoa, you know, I think Manoa's, you know, mentally a little bit, um, I don't know, I want to say more mature and, and able to handle the situations and, and seem better prepared for the professional stress of media and coaches and performing and all that kind of stuff uh, where Pearson had a lot more expectations, I think, on him and took a lot of that limelight. But if we can get Pearson to that, I think those two are, are a, a key um, key within the, the starting rotation for the Jays for a fairly decent time, hopefully. Let me get let me say something crazy. Here is what here is what uh, best case, worst case. Best case scenario, Nate Pearson and Alec Manoa turn out to be Roy Holiday and Chris Carpenter early in their careers with the Jays. Chris Carpenter went on to have a very good career with St. Louis after he was traded. Worst case scenario, Manoa is a bigger version of Strowman and he gets his head gets too big for his performances. And Pearson ends up being like Sanchez where he can't Sanchez. stay healthy. I mean, that's really like that's really the bottom line. And you hope those two guys end up somewhere in the middle of those four pitchers I just mentioned. Pearson just needs to stay healthy as far as I'm concerned. I mean, maybe he needs to take off a mile or two on his fastball and go 99 instead of 101 and stay healthy and, and work on, uh, you know, maybe his maybe his motion is too stressful on his arm and shoulder. Like, there's things that you can adjust to uh, improve his health. I mean, he can't stay healthy, bud. That's it. Well, do the Jays need to – the do they need to invest more in their medical staff? Do they need to get – People who are a bit more specialized in that area, maybe they're not up. To a few stuff. times, I don't know. You've mentioned that a few times. I feel like you know something we don't. When it comes to the Jays' medical staff, I'm just, I'm just saying, just because they have a medical staff doesn't mean they're the best medical staff. True. So True. again, you can talk about players and being healthy and everything, but your medical staff and your training staff mm -hmm. are the ones that almost control that. Mm -hmm. You know, the warm-up routines, all that kind of stuff is all regimented mm -hmm. at that level. So if you're seeing recurring injuries and they're not being addressed or not being fixed, then maybe you look at how you're addressing them, and it's mm -hmm. that team. I don't know. Hey, that's a you know, that's an excellent point. Uh, Producer Mike, August 7th is going to be the uh, the date that uh, Toronto plays Boston, and it looks like it's going to be a doubleheader in Toronto which is going to be nice. Ross Atkins, uh, again, producer Mike, Ross Atkins said Pearson will be uh, a bullpen option only for this year. So, that, I mean, moving forward, uh, obviously next year, he'll be uh, looked at as a starter. I, I don't like it. I mean, I don't like it. You've, you've groomed this guy to be a starter his entire career. It's not easy to flip the switch like that. Like you're, you're trained to be a starter your entire career. Suddenly you're being asked to come in and, and go all out for an inning or two. Again, that puts a lot of stress on the arm and the shoulder, and what he, some of the injuries he's had his groin. He's had a, uh, I think he had an oblique issue. I mean, I, I don't like it. I don't like it. You're, he's a starter, and they need starters. So, uh, obviously, nothing's etched in stone. They need mid reliever too. They do. Uh, they how many do. Times that once the starters out, that the mid relievers come in, and it's just. Well, hey, Thomas Hatch is back. He's up with the big club now. Um, you know, Ryan Barucki looks like he's healthy again. They picked up Cinder. Where's Merriweather? Merriweather, I have no idea. 
he was put on the 60 day DL uh, right before the all-star break. I don't know what that means. I'm not sure, but that kid had was lights out for about a game and oh, a half. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was wow. gone. Then he was hurt. So I mean, his career, he was to throw in one of the trades and, uh, I mean, the book on him when they, you know, the reason why teams give up on him is because he can't stay healthy. So, I mean, obviously teams uh, knew about his health issues and Toronto took a chance. It hasn't worked out. Like you say, maybe it's the athletic uh, trainer's got to work. You might be onto something, B. I don't know. I do not know. Um, and last but not least, Mark Shapiro today admitted that it's been really hard on the team to move three times in one season. You know, playing in uh, Dunedin for the first bit and then having to move to Buffalo. And now they're moving to Toronto. So they're moving three times in a season. Uh, he's like, he's now that it's over and definitive, he came out and said, I'm not going to lie. This has been basically hell for our players. Um, interesting admission. Um, I'm glad somebody said it. I'm glad he's standing up for his team and his city. Um, have you, do you like Shapiro and Atkins? Have you, are you happy with the work they've done? They've done over the course of the last six, seven years, seven seasons. Uh, honestly, my expectations and my initial impression of them during that Anthropolis, uh, turnover, mm-hmm. I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy. I, I liked what it was before, you know? So I was a little disgruntled when they made that change. And mm-hmm. then they bring in, you know, these guys from Cleveland, like what's Cleveland done? Like, what's, where's this, what's this, you know? Uh, what's their mindset? What are they trying to accomplish? And I was very hesitant, but I got to say, so far, a lot of the moves they've made and the the moves they haven't made mm-hmm. have have paid off and some pretty good talent. And I think that the Jays have a really good structure right now that are set up for long-term success if they can kind of keep the nucleus together and get some pieces in place. And whether that's a, you know, training staff being one from a health standpoint, but also I don't know if Charlie's necessarily that guy that takes him over that hump. So maybe that's a change there, you know, a couple of of moves, but right now I trust them. I I trust what they're doing and the choices that they've made. So, yeah, I got to say, I'm fairly happy with that, uh, with the front office as it is right now. And they said me wrong. Same here. I'll tell you what they did in Cleveland. Cleveland's a small market. It's a smaller market than Toronto. And what they did there was they set up the Cleveland Indians for success for years to come, even after they left. And you're still seeing players that they brought up, that they groomed, come up and, and, and succeed with Cleveland. Cleveland has lost everybody. They can't keep players. They can't pay anybody. And yet they still are in the hunt. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, they might be in a wildcard position right now. It's crazy to think the players that have been in and out of the Cleveland lineup uh, year after year, they lose big names. Yet they still hang tough, and it's all—I mean, it, it's in large part due to what Atkins and Shapiro did there. So, um, I, I'm with you though. The first year, you know, the the losing Edwin and uh, you know the Kendris Morales, and I'm like, yeah, this is going to be ugly for a couple of years. But mm. you know, they had a plan, and they the farm system is phenomenal. I mean, now they're talking about this kid Martinez who plays shortstop, who as being their one untouchable. I don't even—I've never even heard of him. So, like, talk about a great job restocking the farm, and uh, it's going to be exciting for years to come. I'm pumped, and what you know what I'm even more pumped for is we're actually kind of on time. We're done on time. This is incredible. I'm, I'm yeah. pumped that I stayed connected the whole time. 
You really did. Your face froze like twice, but like your your voice kept going and it wasn't okay. anything distracting at all. So it was fantastic. Great job, producer Mike, for just yeah, doing, doing your job for Kurt to Curtis. Um, what's Curtis's official title? Executive producer? Fact checker. Fact checker. Um, Fact great checker job for, and trash talker. You know, he does oh, a great our, job of both. Bet analyst, our gambling expert. He really that. does a great job of all of that. He comes out of nowhere and brings the heat, you know, keeps us on our toes. So good job. And um, you know what? I, I don't, I'm not comfortable taking us out. You take us out, bro. This is your thing. It's your job. I don't have any music to go to this time. That's the one thing is I don't have my, uh, I don't have the sound, nothing. So All I usually right. go out to a song, but we're not uh, able to do that this time, unfortunately. Okay. But we're going to be back in uh, two weeks and yep. we'll be right on to the, the football scene. Getting Woo. into fantasy football, we'll have a bit more training camp analysis, and uh, hopefully, uh, the four of us will get out to a blackjacks game in the near future, and yeah. hopefully as well the Blue Jays. I don't know how that's going to work from getting tickets, um, and how that's uh, how many people are going to let in, and how that's going to function. But once they get once they get going, hey, it'd be awesome to get down there for the seventh and watch that doubleheader against the the Sox seven inning games. Love it. Hey, absolutely. And if you're looking for swag, uh, you can see on our screen right now, we've got swag for sale. Um, you can uh, contact uh, sales at megacitypromotions.com, 613-823-7880. I went to the Blackjacks game, had a beer with a buddy, and uh, he was wearing a hat <laughs> of ours. And I'm like, wow, that's cool. When did oh, you really? get that? It was Gord. But it was cool. Oh, I didn't nice. know you had ordered a hat. Um, so, you know, I'm see starting to see some of our swag where I didn't expect to see it, which is kind of cool. And it's a really good quality stuff. So you can contact uh, sales at megacitypromotions.com or the number 613-823-7880 if you want some swag. And it's cool, there man. There will be a uh, UC page on the Mega City website very soon where you guys can actually just go on. I'll have the link for everybody within the next few weeks where like you can it. actually go on and just place your orders that way. And we'll have uh, all the options on there. But he's setting that up for us. Uh, so it's going to be a lot easier to uh, to get a, get your swag. But everybody seems yeah. to love it. The new logos are kind of fun. And I got a couple of T-shirts coming where you guys had used that uh, one of the B and the P and the stars and different kind of variations. So we'll take a look and we'll uh, we'll get some feedback. But it's all for fun. Uh, this obviously this show is a blast. You know, Pep and I don't get paid for this at all, and but we are loving it. Uh, the group we have again, Mike and Chris appreciate everything. And uh, I wouldn't uh, be doing this to anybody else. So I appreciate you, Pep, and uh, everything you bring to the show. Love it. And uh, we got a week off, but we'll be back in two weeks, refreshed, ready to go. Music, sound bites, everything rolling. And I wish everybody a, a great couple of weeks. Enjoy the summer and can't wait to get back at it. Thanks, guys. Enjoy your holiday, B. Thanks, man. I'll talk to you soon. Yep. Take care, everybody. <laughs>